How's it, Mzanzi? And welcome to Farmers Inside Track. This is episode 264. I'm your host, Donumdu. Ever considered farming with crocodiles? Paul Brendenkamp, the CEO of Croc Skin Traders and the chairperson of the South African Crocodile Industry Association, joins us in this edition to share the basics of the crocodile industry in Mzanzi. Food from Zanzi journalist Octavius Pandil, over to you. Thanks, Dawn. Paul Bredenkamp, welcome to Farmers Inside Track. Crocodile farming is quite niche in order to start what is needed for someone who is thinking about crocodile farming. We need to reverse back to where it started in the industry. Now, the industry started in the 60s. The need to protect the wild population was identified in 1975 when it was also registered under CITES as an endangered species. So that is the starting point if you want to start with crocodile farming. So it's obviously protected and it's managed by the Department of Environmental Affairs. So you'll have to start with your local department. There's application processes. And then you need to go through all these processes showing that you can farm with animals. You have availability of captive bred of animals from other farms. Where a lot of people have made mistakes in the past is they're not in the correct area to actually farm crocodiles. So you would find people in the Cape or in areas where the now crocodile don't exist in a natural environment. They would want to farm there. And, and that is where a lot of problems start. Because your breeders are outside, if you do hothouse farming, then your production cost goes through the roof, your capital expenses goes through the roof. So normally in South Africa, Limpopo, Northwest province and a bit of Natal, mainly Northern Natal is where the crocodile farming areas are. So if you're not in that area, I think you need to rethink it first because of the environment. And secondly, if you're in that area, then you start off by approaching the correct departments. When is breeding season and what is required to keep crocodiles alive during that season? Breeding season for the breeders are, they mate in June and July, which is in winter. So that's where your pond design is very important. And that adds to what, what is important to keep them alive and to be able for them to mate. You need a sufficient water body. It needs to be deep enough, at least two and a half meters deep. Breeders need to be able to thermoregulate, so they must be able to submerge under the water and then also mate during that period. And then the eggs are laid in October. Usually after the first rains, the females will go and select good laying areas, which you must prepare for them. You soften the sand and they'll test for moisture and heat, the heat of the sand before they lay the eggs. And then you collect the eggs. And then 75 days after collection, the eggs will hatch. If you've put them in your incubator, you follow the correct guidelines with temperature and humidity and so on. And what does the input costs look like on a daily? Input costs on a daily basis, obviously labor, like every other farming practice, feeding costs, electricity, heating costs. And that's where it differs between the different areas. So your production cost will differ. If you have a, a completely in-house system from hatching right through to harvest, your production cost goes up because you have to heat those animals continuously. That is where your selection of your area is important. Fortunately, we're in subtropical area, so we only have to keep them in hot houses for the first year, maximum two years. Then we can move them outside. To come back to your production cost, Cleaning chemicals, electricity, pumping water, boilers if you have to heat water. So those are your main production costs. 
You've mentioned earlier that the water body is quite important and it needs to be at least two meters deep. Can you maybe expand a little bit more on the water requirements? Yes, quality of water is very important and also quantity. You need to keep these animals clean, specifically if we go forward into producing a good quality skin. So hygiene is very important. So flushing dams, washing the ponds, continuous water replacement, that's very important. And there we take guidelines from Department of Water Affairs. Obviously, there's a lot of effluent being produced, not so much from an organic matter point, but the volume of water that gets released. So you need to treat the effluent according to guidelines. Then it would be good if you've got a, a second use for the water, like irrigation for plants or crops or anything else. Water is very important, not just the volume, but the quality. You want to start with water that doesn't have high bacteria counts because that makes your disinfection and your production of good quality skins more difficult. Paul, it seems like crocodile farming seems like such an expensive practice. Is it quite a lucrative business? And when can you start seeing returns on such an investment though? Yes. What makes it difficult is a long production cycle. You take between three and five years to produce a good quality skin. So you can understand with those mentioned production costs, it it adds up over that period before you actually harvest the skin. On top of that, your infrastructure cost is very expensive. The dams need to be of very high quality if you have outside dams. Good quality concrete, your enclosures need to be secure that the animals don't escape. And when you move into areas where you have to heat, and then you're talking of underfloor heating, whether it's electric or whether it's from boilers, hot water systems, you need to talk about insulation of the buildings. Whether it's thermoplastic tunnels or IBR type systems with insulation, all of those are very expensive to put up, very capital intensive. And from the time frame, it takes very long. So to answer your question, when do you actually see a return on investment? Unfortunately, the industry made a turn in 2016 to 2017. The industry made a turn where there was oversupply of skins, There was a change in the industry from the consumer side. Consumer spending changed. And the industry changed over that period from a volume market more to a quality market. And then obviously COVID also had a massive effect on consumer spending. There weren't any fashion shows. The brands, their shops were closed. So their consumers or their clients moved away a bit from the product. And that obviously now caused oversupply. And that's where we are now. So I don't want to sound negative, but from an investment point, it's very difficult. And we've seen it in the numbers of farmers. In 2016, we probably had 80 active farmers at that stage. Currently, I think we're around 30, maybe a little bit less. Farmers had to close down. Farmers had to divert to other types of production. And definitely the trenders have moved away from volume to more quality-based skins. You've answered my question on the marketing as well, which doesn't seem to be so too positive, if I can put it that way. But maybe let's jump off to my other question. What is the important things farmers need to look out for when it comes to crocodile farming? What are those advantages or disadvantages, things that they really need to know in order to make a decision if this is something that they want to go into? It's an export product. So you earn Forex. The whole industry is in US dollars. So that's a a massive advantage in an African country. 
the disadvantage, and I think all industries are battling with that, that the production cost has just spiraled out of control in the last three years, maybe four years. So your heating cost and your production cost has just gone crazy. That's a, a massive negative. But I think it's the same for all in the industries. And when the pressure comes on production cost, you need to really look at your farming practices. You need to be spot on with your, your performance, with your standard and GOPs and, and operation procedures. Be spot on that. To come back to the market, what makes it very difficult is the grading process. In the past, we would supply, say, 5% of our skins to the European market and the other 95% would go to the Asian market. That has changed completely because the Asian market collapsed 2017, 2018 due to oversupply, due to other species also playing a role, which is important to note. The Nile crocodile is not just for South Africa, obviously Zambia produces, Zimbabwe produces. And then we also compete with other species, the alligator in, in the States. We compete against the porosis, the saltwater crocodile in Australia. And all the brands and all the manufacturers are purchasing these skins and using it for exotic leather products. Historically, the alligator used to be for watch straps because it's smaller skins. They used to farm it, but now they've moved into the Nile size category as well. And the alligator is a much easier animal to farm because it doesn't damage their skin so much. They're not as aggressive. The teething structure is different from a Nile. So now we're competing on an international level with other species, which are easier. And that's made it even more difficult for the Nile crocodile. And that comes back to you need to focus on quality. Where my opening statement was about the grading. The client, which are usually tanners, they would come out and grade the skins and any defects like yield scores or any little marks on the skins, then they don't want the skin. So you've gone through that production cost, you've grown it four to five years, you harvested the skin, you present it to your client, and then there's a little yield score from a mark that Crocodile had two years ago, and all of a sudden your client doesn't want that. And that makes calculation of your production costs, calculation of your future for your investment, very difficult. Paul, I'm curious to know, what is the percentage of crocodile farming in South Africa compared to the rest of the world? South Africa has actually gone backwards in the volume, as I mentioned. So there's only 30 producers left, of which I think less than 10 are focused now on quality. I think to put into percentage of the amount of skins, if we add alligator and porosis and other skins as well, we're very small. If I would say 5% of the world production from South Africa currently, I think that's a good guesstimation is about 5% of what goes out in the world. And finally, what makes crocodile farming such a great farming venture? And what is your advice? Would you actually encourage people to venture into it? Like I said before, I don't want to sound negative towards the industry, but there's a lot of challenges. For a new entry, I think it makes it very difficult because you can't present your financier or your bank with fixed figures like you would be able. If you're a chicken farmer, you know you're going to produce so many kilograms at that price and that's the selling price and you've got the market. Where crocodiles, it's completely different. Your opening statement, it's a niche market. It's a niche production facility. And that sums it up very nicely. It's very niche. It's high quality focused. And you need to make sure that you're going to be in it for a long run. And to start off is interest. That's how I started in 1997 is purely because of the interest in the species, interest in the animal. 
It's fascinating to be able to produce a high-quality product from, let's call it a dinosaur, animal that's been around forever. We don't know enough about these animals, and we're actually trying to learn. The industry is learning about these animals as we go on. And I think that's what makes it interesting, but that also makes it challenging. So if you're up for a challenge and you've got lots of patience and you're prepared to wait and not look at the financial side so much, then it's for you. If it's all about money, then sorry. I think there's better things to go and do there. Thanks, Octavia. And it was really great having you join us here on Farmers Inside Track. Paul Brindenkamp, the CEO of Croc Skin Traders and chairperson of the South African Crocodile Industry Association. And that's a wrap. You can, of course, read more on this topic by visiting www.foodformzanzi.co.za. Remember to subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform so you never miss an episode. From me, Don Numdu, Octavius Pandil, our technical producer, Megan van der Fendt, and the rest of the hashtag Team Food from Zanzi, thank you so much for listening. Life in South Africa can be a lot. I mean, scroll through Twitter for a minute and tell me I'm wrong. Thank God for South Africans, though, right? We're inspiring, and even on the bad days, we fight back with a smile. That's why I love Food Form Zanzi so much. They're not ashamed to celebrate the ordinary unsung heroes who work every day to put food on our nation's tables. Go to foodformzanzi.co.za and never miss an inspiring story.